You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Dump it off to Barkley and nothing but Pater in front. And Barkley to the end zone and what a drive to start the afternoon for the New York Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Happy President's Day, Grump. We are officially in the doldrums of winter. It's a three-day weekend where I think I got off the couch one time, and unfortunately that included watching some XFL. So, My uh, like second consecutive weekend of not really watching any XFL football, got to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of tuned in and out, and I saw some really lazy-looking passes, some busted coverages, some busted offensive line play, and... I realize I don't really want to watch high school football. So it is, it, it's the problem. I think more so than the talent really is the fact they just threw these teams together. And, you know, we're used to watching the NFL or used to watching college and even high school where, you know, these guys have off seasons, they have spring football, they have, you know, an off season to prepare and training camp and preseason games. And this was just kind of like thrown together and you're just seeing, you know, very low scoring sloppy work and uh it also doesn't help that the quarterbacks all pretty much blow but yeah, uh, they're pretty terrible and quite frankly if you're watching this stuff you love the game of football you want to be entertained i mean this is like watching the nfl without the shackles of having your favorite team and stressing out about winning and losing and what's the other team in your division doing and worrying about draft ranking it's just you go watch it just to watch football and um it's struggling right now i mean i'd like to see it get better over the rest of the season in the next couple of years where they get some you know cohesiency and, and teams playing together and stuff but right now it's it's uh my advice is bet the under every week yeah i mean it's one of those things that i want to say that in a second year might get better as they have an influx of talent they have a full off season with with teams kind of already put together and maybe a little bit, but, but here's just, the thing, just like uh, just some some group that's been together. But the thing is, is that there's always going to be fringe NFL talent that would rather play than sit. That's going to come in late and fuck all that up anyway. Yeah, I, I think the thing too you have to realize with this league is this is not going to be a year round a year round league like the NFL. I mean, these guys just quite frankly aren't getting paid that much, and they don't have the budgets to have things like long training camps and OTAs, and coaching staffs are going to spend 12 months evaluating talent. So it's always going to be a step behind, you know, the preparation you're going to see for the NFL or even college. And you're right; maybe it helps that they played before, like in from in year one into year two, but. We haven't had a very good track record so far of these startup leagues getting to a year two. So it's still a very much wait and see. It would be nice, though. Um, as, personally, I'm sort of rooting for it because I think it's good for the NFL to have a sort of farm system. I mean, there are plenty of position groups where there's talent, but they never get to show themselves in a, in a situation that matters, particularly at running back. Even at quarterback, I would say, you know, it's just too important of a position for an NFL team to take a risk to really have. I mean, who is Tom Brady if not for Drew Bledsoe's injury? I mean, does he That's ever true. see the field? So Probably not. 
it, you know, it's things like this that allow those talents to be showcased for an NFL team. And we saw that to an extent with um, the AAF. We saw uh, Garrett Gilbert made an NFL um, roster after just, what, nine nine AAF games? Well, he who, showed was it, enough. who was it the XFL the first time around, the quarterback? Was it Tommy Maddox? I I think so. He was, I don't... The, he was the, you know, the MVP of the league, and he got run in the NFL after that, you know, directly because of it. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it's going to be very hard to evaluate a quarterback in this league because, you know, the talent around him isn't very good. And, you know, it's just weird. So, yeah. you know, you, you get a chance to show things like arm strength and things and poise. I know Matt McGoin for the, whatever the New York team's name is, the guardians probably didn't do himself any favors this week with, you know, with all this extra coverage and all access stuff, basically just blasting his own coaching by saying they need to completely redo the whole game plan at halftime and huh. nobody's on the right page and stuff. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool to listen to, but it's almost like, you know, everybody's watching Matt. He may want to just cool down a bit. Well, Matt McGoin sucks and he always has, but oh, he's, yeah, yeah, he's awful. I, I, I I wonder how cool it is to get some all access stuff live. I mean, like, I I don't know. It, most of what I've heard, and you know, I I guess my opinion isn't much because I I haven't seen a whole lot of XFL stuff. But most of what I have seen is exactly what I expect to hear. Like, it's I don't think it really offers much insight. I mean, the 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 calling the plays into the like live hearing the coach call the plays into the quarterback and the and the defensive coordinator to the linebackers or whomever has got the headset and the helmet, that's pretty cool, I guess. But I it guess, doesn't you know, it doesn't it, offer it, much to me. But if I don't know what they're saying, who cares? It's just random words, you know, uh, saying Denver fifteen scat four three means nothing. It's like listening to R two D 2s beeps and whistles and stuff. It doesn't mean anything. But the thing where I think it's coming kind of cool is you have live access to the replay booth. That is cool. And at what you are hearing what they are communicating back and forth at what the replay person is seeing. And I, I think that's a pretty cool thing because, I mean, it's taking away a little bit of the drama of like, okay, here's the call. But, you know, something we don't need drama. Football the drama is the game. Drama. I don't want the drama. Football is drama in itself, and it's it, it's kind of interesting that I'm doing that. And I also think that they are the way they are kind of going back, you know, live interviews with the coaches and the players during the game is pretty interesting. I mean, it's they're gonna have to tweak it a little bit to make sure it kind of flows in with the game a little more because obviously, you know, the last thing these coaches probably want to do is talk to anybody in the middle of it, but you know. Like I said, with McGoin, it was interesting. He was pissed off at the end of the first half, and you know, that's a little, you know, that's a that's an interesting little, you know, extra feature you're going to get from something like this. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's not, I'm not watching because of it. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I, I'm getting pretty bored already of it. It's just not very good and everything. But you know, those are nice little features that. The NFL kind of takes some of these things and adds to it. Like every every established sport always takes something from the upstarts, you know, a little nugget of something. So maybe that will they'll pull something from this. Could be. But like I was saying, I, I think the NFL would benefit from a farm system, particularly for the quarterback and running back positions, which is the two positions that we're going to look at today. 
That's right. For the Giants. So this is kind of something that we do every offseason. We pick two position groups per episode, and we go over who the current people on the roster are, who the free agents are that the Giants should keep their eye on, who the draft prospects are they should keep their eye on, and in, and how how that position is shaping up in terms of strength for the team. So, um, you know, court, it's interesting, these two positions, because... We have a whole new staff coming in. So while we might have some ingrained starters, everybody else has got no rapport with anybody. I mean, for the most part, there's been well, – I mean, like our wide receivers coach has been retained and that's about it. I mean, there's not a whole lot of holdover from Pat Shermer's staff. So everybody's kind of got to start with a clean slate. So while that might be good for some players, it may be bad for others. So – you know, at the quarterback position, Daniel Jones is more than just a player. He's a franchise-changing draft pick. I mean, he gets more leverage and leeway than most players, right? I would say more than anybody does. Yeah. <laughs> Quite honestly. You know, but he's he's also the one that's going to turn, you know, he will turn the tide on the, you know, the future of this organization, both on the field and in the front office, by basically his performance. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, behind him is Alex Tanney. Now, while if Pat Shermer were here, it might be almost, you know, guaranteed that Alex Tanney at least makes it into training camp. You know, now who is Alex Tanney to Jason Garrett or Joe Judge or even to a certain extent, Dave Gettleman. Um, So, you know, that's kind of an interesting nugget as to, what they're going to do there, a lot of Giants fans were kind of confused on what Alex Tanney brought to the table to begin with last year. Um, and there's not really anything that we could answer. I mean, Pat Shermer's answer was always something about how how good he is in the in the film room and stuff like that. All things that we as fans can't ever see. We did see him run one play, or one play or three plays, when Eli Manning was taken out for a standing ovation. Um, he threw one pass. Sti- it looked like garbage. It was, I mean, it was a sti- I'm not judging one pass, but I think it was one series he was only in. Yeah. Um, the thing about Alex Tanney is he's relatively cheap. He, not relatively. He's extremely cheap for a backup quarterback. He's coming in at a $1 million cap hit. That's really, really cheap. The thing is, is that Daniel Jones has already shown that he can miss time due to injury. It's a thing that the Giants really need to start to worry about a little bit more. He's also young. He might need to be pulled for confidence reasons or something like that if he starts getting into a funk. He needs veteran guidance, in my opinion. So Alex Tanney, despite his financial benefits of keeping him, might be hitting the block and somebody else might be coming in. Yeah, um, again... That's coaching staff's real prerogative to do, and I think that's something they're not going to spend a lot of money on to bring in a proven, you know, uh, they're not going to bring in a quarterback. I don't think who's going to challenge to start. I think they're just going to bring in someone that they, you know, they feel comfortable with. And who knows? Maybe, you know, Alex Tanny just knows his way around the building, and it's just, you know, what's what's his cap? Is he? Is he it's one million dollars. One million for one more year or two mil, two years? This is, or what yeah, is, this would be his last year. Okay. So, you know, you got him under contract. Maybe they, I, I think I think they'll probably keep him. Honestly, yeah. it, it's it's for you know 
every all the pros and cons of keeping him and getting rid of him to me it's just something where he's already in the building the contract's already done you know there's no sense spending any extra for that you know when you're still trying to build a roster i, I think he stays yeah it's very interesting because i don't think he offers much on the field if daniel jones goes down which is an extreme detriment i mean it's a really important position to have bullshit back there but again this is a team that isn't very good it has some cap room you know, for the first time in a couple of years now, in like four years, they have some real cap space, and they need to use that money to make this team better. Getting young guys to be core to the team, not just filling up space. So Alex Tanny, like you said, he's already got some working relationship with Daniel Jones. He knows his way around the building, etc. To put it in perspective, we like you said, anybody who's going to challenge to start is automatically at the table. So while it's interesting that for the first time that I can remember, there's some massive names and hitting the QB free agent market, like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, you know, Philip Rivers. Those guys, obviously, they're off the table. Those are starters, all of them. Even to a certain extent, Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater at this point, I think, might be in consideration to be a starting quarterback somewhere and not a backup anymore. Teddy Bridgewater is, is probably going to get – I saw a report say he's going to get $30 million probably this year. That's insanity. Somebody. You That's, know, those guys are off the table. It's just not a possibility. Let me ask you a question, Grump. Let's say the Giants last year were 8-8. Eight and eight. And Daniel Jones was still a rookie, and you don't know. Do you think it's possible a new coach would bring in a more experienced quarterback to make this team into a seriously a playoff team? Or do you think you know the plan is Daniel Jones is our guy, and hey, they were eight and eight even with him. Let's just keep moving forward. I don't know. It's a weird situation because let's say he played the way he did. All things considered, equal he. Came in in week two, you know, they got to eight and eight, but he, you know, he played like a rookie. He didn't play poorly, but didn't play outstandingly. But all of these guys are out there. And let's just say this roster is just a better roster. Well, now now you're completely changing the narrative. So if, if, if you're saying that a more experienced, talented quarterback is really the thing that's going to put them over the edge, and there's a significant chance that you do that because you can still develop Daniel Jones' upside while signing – Somebody like, I don't know, Philip Rivers for like two years or something like that. You know, sure, that's that's a much higher, but but that's not even close to what we're at. We weren't eight and eight last year. I, I, this I'm, team is not just a few pieces away from well, being the whole, great. The whole purpose of the, the whole purpose of the question was a complete hypothetical. Oh, like, yeah. Have Have you ever? Do you remember a case in recent NFL history where? A guy was drafted, played a lot of his rookie year, and then they brought in somebody of like two. One, two, three years, and he got his starting job back after that guy left. I don't know. I can't think of anything. So it's almost like if they did that, they were kind of saying, well, you know, we're going for it now. But you're right. This team is nowhere even near that. So it's not, it's kind of a moot point. I'm just curious what, you know, what this team would do in a situation like that. I think this team is going to grow along with Daniel Jones. I think the, you know, the roster rebuild and development is going to simultaneously happen with Daniel Jones. And I think that's, that's a little bit of the Seattle model, you know, having that quarterback at a very, very, you know, low salary number where you can afford to build up the rest of the roster will really help. 
Yeah. I, I think the opposite often happens where they sign a free agent quarterback to be the guy and they draft somebody who happens to just be better. I mean, Seattle's a perfect example of signing Matt Flynn to a big deal and then he doesn't even start on week one, I don't think, did he? I think it went straight to Russell Wilson by then. Uh, yeah, he never – yeah, he – the decision was made in training camp. Yeah, I think so. That money was just, you know, wasted money. But, you know, something in the long game – But it was it a huge gamble money. because Wilson sure. <laughs> could have been a baseball player. I mean, it, there, there was a lot at work. It, it, it ended up looking like wasted money, but it was insurance money really is what it was. Right. Now, you know – of the veterans out there that are more along the lines of what you want talent-wise to be behind him, I think you're looking at guys like Mike Glennon, Sam Bradford, Chase Daniel, Matt Moore, Case Keenum, right? You'd agree with those names as being, say we had all the money in the world in cap space, $50 million, $60 million, $70 million, $80 million, and, you know, you we can afford to get one of those guys. Those are the names you're looking at, right? I would say so, like yeah. in that kind of that ballpark of, of quarterback who has started before and can play if Daniel Jones gets hurt or is, quite frankly, ineffective and just needs some time off. I mean, just because he's going from week from year one to year two, that does not mean he's still not a very young quarterback. And right. he's going a quarterback now that's going through, you know, a second offensive coordinator and a second head coach and a second scheme in two years. So. He's not a veteran yet, and he there may be some ups and downs again that him picking up this. I mean, we all think he's a pretty smart guy. We all think he did a pretty good job picking up the offense last year, but it is a change. Yeah. So, um, well, again, j- just depends on- just for the um this the the sake of uh, proving my point here with Alex Tanning and his money, Chase Daniel uh is currently his, his last contract was for six million. Sam Bradford was for five million. Case Keenum for three and a half million. Glennon even was two million. Matt Moore is the only one remotely close, and he was a little over one million. So all those guys are still more expensive than what Alex Tanney is. Yeah, but here's the thing, though: those names you all listed all have, you know, they may be a hundred percent more what you got for Alex Tanney, but you're also getting more than a hundred percent worth of potential production. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm just trying to illustrate the point yeah. of just how much more Chase Daniel is literally six times more. Than what Alex Tanney costs. That's great. Yeah, that's nuts. But some of those other guys you mentioned for two million and stuff, it's I don't know, I, I think it's just it, it's it's certainly a possibility. These are the guys that would be probably looked at as being brought in. And I'm not saying it's not gonna happen. I'm just saying maybe mold your idea your your brain around the idea that Alex Tanney might be here next year. <laughs> because it, I, it's a real possibility. I kinda, I kinda banking on the fact he will be, to be very honest. I mean you know, maybe there's don't discount the relationship that him and uh, and Daniel Jones have working together too. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, you know that you want some continuality from the old to the new, and maybe that's that bridge that you know. I'm pretty sure Daniel Jones will be asked about that. His opinions. You know, how do they work in the quarterback room? How do they work in film study together? How do they work during drills together? How do they work on the sideline? You know, when when the, when defenses on the field and they're looking at their iPads and, and discussing all those things kind of factor in too. Do you think and that's really, an important part as to why Alex Tenney was 
retained on the roster last year, knowing that there was a 90, 95% chance that Eli Manning was going to retire, that he would have a working partner from the year before? It's possible. I mean, whether they were going to learn a new offense or not, it, that's sort of irrelevant. The, the fact is is that he wouldn't be immediately placed with a new working partner in his second year. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm speculating that maybe that's a reason why they would keep him because that relationship. But I have no idea what that relationship is. I've no, I've never been in a quarterback room. I've never been on an NFL team. I don't know how close and how tight these guys actually work together, and if there's some sort of hierarchy where, you know, everything revolves around the start, starting quarterback and everybody's there to support him or or not. I I, I don't know. Um, I know I have no idea if Eli Manning was became a mentor to him for the whole, you know, final 14 games of the season, 13 games of the season or how that worked. So, you know, if he is back this year, I can speculate that that might be one reason why he is, is because of there is a relationship and they do work well together in the preparation of, of games. And we, we think that there's a uh, 0% chance that there's a quarterback drafted. I would say less than zero, unless <laughs> unless there's something like a draft and trade later down. But I don't think that really happens, like in the fourth and fifth round. I would say no. On a scale of one to ten, how do you feel right now about the quarterback situation with the Giants right now, heading into 2020? Um, I would say short term and long term, I guess. Um. Short term, probably like a six and a half. Long term, probably like a seven and a half, eight. Um, it's a small sample size for Daniel Jones. It was surprising. You know, I, I'm not sure how he's going to handle a, a an offense change. Um, all the things that he struggled with, I think, were all correctable last year. I mean, some of the some of the things was just learning the offense. Um, and we we both thought that he came in a little bit earlier than than we thought he was ready for, which is okay. Um, he didn't he didn't perform badly in those situations. The fumbles are you know it's a thing that he can definitely work on that won't affect his game at all. It's not who he is. It's not a part of his game. It's just something he probably didn't work on enough in college or whatever. Like um, he'll also you know the expectation is going forward he'll have better offensive lines where right you know. It won't be as many blindside hits as he had before, which caused some of the fumbles. I mean, obviously, he has I mean, to learn to do a better job of holding on to the ball, period. But the opportunity for, like, the unexpected hit, hopefully, is going to start going down as the line gets stabilized. Right. And long term, I like his upside. I think that he, he can become one of the, the the big names in the league at the quarterback position. I, I You know, it's going to – I think we're in a good spot with Jason Garrett here, personally. Um I think that that'll help. My bigger thing is that Jason Garrett could at any time become a head coach somewhere else very quickly. Um, so I like where we're projected, but I need to see more before that hope, you know, blossoms a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, the running back spot's a little bit more interesting. So Jason Garrett has shown in his time at Dallas that he's a fan of the single bell cow running back. And he's managed to get the most out of some pretty raw talent while prioritizing that position, right? So he was, you know, due to due to some injuries early on in his uh, 
offensive coordinator years. Marion Barber, you know, he he had like the one good year, but then he he had to find success by doing a running back by committee approach under Wade Phillips. So he he had to get something from Felix Jones and Tashard Choice, who are not names that people really give a shit about. Um, and he was able to do that. There was a successful team doing that with Marion Barber, Felix Jones, and Tashard Choice, which is not, you know, it's that's a motley crew right there. So, um, and Felix Jones actually got off to a really good start. He was expected to be the lead back in 2011, and despite that, DeMarco Murray was drafted anyway that year. And that was the first year where Jason Garrett was the head coach. So I know that the war room with you know Jerry Jones is kind of nobody really knows what the fuck is going on there, but I, I have to think that the head coach does get some sort of say in talent. Not necessarily picking, but but you know, pointing out talent. And the fact that DeMarco Murray was selected, um, despite the fact that they had high hopes for Felix Jones, just kinda reinforces that notion for me that Jason Garrett really likes the one running back thing. And DeMarco Murray blasted onto the scene. You know, and it wasn't until injuries mounted and, and his big contract situation was coming up at the same time that they moved on from him and they kind of dicked around with Darren McFadden for a year before going with a three down back in Ezekiel Elliott. And he is pretty much the offense there. I mean, despite, you know, we, we can talk at length about offensive line, but that's not what we're here to do tonight. So we'll kind of leave that out of it. But, you know, I will say that Garrett really does prioritize that running back position. I think it's, not necessarily the running game is that it's a big point. It's that the running back is an important position for him. You know, they have to be able to block. They have to be able to catch out of the backfield. And, and, you know, they have to be able to run the ball and and see where their their lanes are and stuff like that. So I will also say that I don't think Jason Garrett, despite Ezekiel Elliott being, you know, this, this really good player, he hasn't had a weapon that Saquon Barkley really is as a receiver. I mean, not that Elliot can't catch, it's just that I wouldn't line Elliot up out wide, but I wouldn't really have a problem with a couple of plays with Saquon Barkley lined up out wide at all. So, this is going to be an interesting situation here. Um, that just, you know, furthers that Saquon Barkley is solidified at this point as the guy here. I don't think there's any one person, one position on this team probably more solidified right now than Saquon Barkley, even more than Daniel Jones. <laughs> He's the, he is the starting running back of the New York Giants, and he will get the vast majority of snaps for this team. <laughs> so um, some things that, that I'm looking forward to seeing him doing a little better. Um, pass blocking we, it was a little bit of a problem last year. Now, last year he was hurt, so it was kind of a, a wonky year to evaluate his overall Week season one versus season two growth and development, but um, that's something I think he's going to have to you know keep working on. I know it's when you think about the most important things of what he brings to the table. Obviously, is his ability, you know, to to break any potential run for seventy yards. You know, his ability to run even in between the tackles as well. His ability to to catch. You know, I, I hate when I hear coaches are like, well, like a receiver. Well, if they can't block downfield, they're not getting on the field. I mean, that's ridiculous. You're a receiver first, and yes, he's a running back first, and he's a, 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 
a pass catching option second, but I think it's something that until this offensive line really, you know, solidifies and we get tight ends to do a little better job of blocking as well and everything, he's going to have to be able to carry his own pass blocking and it's going to have to get better. Absolutely. And it's one of the things that Ezekiel Elliott does much better than Barkley. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in, in fact, Elliott might be the best running back in the league when it comes to pass blocking. So, you he's know, also a vet too. He's been around block also. Yeah, but I mean, I, th- I think even coming in, that was something that he was already pretty good at. But I mean, maybe maybe some of that's due to coaching, right? You know, mm-hmm. not necessarily Garrett, but maybe Garrett just enforced how important it was. I'm not sure. But like you said, Barkley is is, is ingrained in this spot. He's he's the guy. Behind him is a whole fucking other thing. I mean, Wayne Gallman, you know, we thought looked pretty good in his time in, in place of Saquon Barkley. And yet he completely, he was like inactive some weeks as a healthy scratch. You know, that's a huge question mark. He doesn't seem like a ball buster. So I, I don't think it's anything attitude related. Um, it seemed very strange that when Barkley was gone, his reps kind of went down and down. And when he came back, he just sort of disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jonathan Hilleman, I, I know some fans were into what they saw from him. I thought he looked like shit from the first time I saw him to the last time I saw him. I don't, I don't think there's anything there with Jonathan Hilleman. Um, he's a third string running back. I don't even think he's that much. I got to be honest. I, I think he would struggle in the XFL. Um, <laughs> don't sell him short. <laughs> don't tell anybody he's short by saying that. <laughs> so, so you know, like we were saying, Wayne Gallman, whatever his issue was with Pat Shermer – that's gone now. I mean, he is he has a clean slate to show just his talents and why he deserves to be on this football team. And apparently it's not a issue with um Dave Gettleman because he's still on the roster. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh so and, and I mean we haven't heard anything like that. I mean, that seems a little, I mean I I don't imagine that his playing time has anything to do with Dave Gettleman. No, no, no. I mean, as far as thinking that he's still an asset, you know, oh, that yeah. they want on this team. You know, if if they didn't have a coaching change in the offseason, he probably isn't on the roster anymore. But the fact that he's still here means that somebody thinks there's enough of him to let's see, you know, he's, he's a factor in free agency and draft decisions. And let's see what happens in, you know, potentially, you know, training camp. He may not be on the on the roster when the season starts in September. But it looks like he's gonna get the opportunity to compete to be there. Sure. Yeah. And you know, that's sort of where I think they can bring in somebody. I think they will bring in somebody to compete for that spot. You know, Wayne Gallman may have a clean slate, but that doesn't mean anything. He has no connection to these people at all. So it's very likely that they'll bring in, and and by people I mean Dave Gettleman, because Gettleman didn't even draft him. So. Mm-hmm. It's very likely that another running back comes in, at least one. So from a free agent standpoint, it's kind of interesting because, you know, like I said, Garrett seems to like the single running back guy, you know, just the the single bell cow. But the guys behind him are not going to replace him. There aren't going to be – you can't get Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott on the same roster. So you're not going to get a guy who's going to step up if Barkley is out again with a high ankle sprain – and be able to be Saquon Barkley for a couple of games. That just won't yeah, happen. I mean, well, also, no team is going to do that. No team could afford it, and no team would do that. I mean, I don't, I don't think there are any 
Well, I mean, what's the best combination in the NFL right now of two really good running backs? Right now? Um, yeah. San Francisco, maybe? Yeah, but neither of those guys are Barkley or Elliott. No, 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 no. Well, I think and once certain- you have two guys, that's kind of what you're doing. You're kind of doing like a... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it becomes a very expensive position very quickly once these guys get some success. So I I, I don't know how much you want, you want to allocate even to do something like that. So No, well, what I'm saying is you wouldn't do that. So you kind of have to get a guy who does a little bit of everything okay. And, you know, maybe you want somebody who's just got some vet experience. Like, it might not be a flashy name that they bring in. In fact, it likely won't because... Quite frankly, of all the spots in the roster to spend free agent money on, this one's not going to be high up the list. Absolutely not. But no. it might be somebody that you've heard of like Bilal Powell. You know what I mean? Just a guy who's been around the league. He's still kicking for a reason. Um, you know, he someone obviously like a, someone like a like an Alfred Morris type right now. Right. Like who's you know passes prime, but you know, a little veteran who's a little you know a wily veteran who can, you know, if he gives you five to eight carries a game, and that's even kind of on the high side, you're happy with it. You can, you know what you're getting from them. Right. And you probably don't want him for 16 games. You might need him for two or three. If Barkley is nursing something or, you know, maybe he's, he's got a nagging injury and you're up by 20 already. You got a guy who can go in there for five or six carries. Like you said, maybe 20 snaps maximum. You know, just somebody who can go in there. And that doesn't necessarily mean that Wayne Gallman will be gone either. Well, yeah. I, I, again, I think there'll be a question. It'll be a competition to see who that guy is going to be. And uh, my gut feeling tells me that Gallman's going to be back. Yeah. I, I, I actually am. You could flip a coin. I have no idea where Wayne Gallman will be. And, what, and what's Gallman's contract situation? This will be the last year of his contract. Of his yeah, rookie a, deal. And again, you're you're talking about a rookie deal, not a lot of money. He was a third, fourth, fourth round pick, fourth round pick, not a lot of money. Right. You know, what are you incrementally getting from a backup running back to swallow some dead cap space and money it's already kind of spent? So yeah. I, I think he probably is going to hang around the roster as well. Yeah, and that's sort of interesting, right? So. You know, we're, we're talking about maybe you bring in a, a third guy who's a, a wily vet, an old passes prime kind of old. I feel like a jerk, but you know, a guy who's just not in his prime anymore that you're not really expecting to come in and spell anybody. But he's he offers some leadership in a in a young room. I mean, Gallman is older than Barkley, and he's still on his rookie deal. I mean, you don't have a whole lot of leadership in that room at all. Yeah, but yeah, but most. I mean, the average running back doesn't doesn't have a very long shelf life in the end. No. NFL anyway, so sure, I I get that, but I mean, it wouldn't hurt to have a, especially somebody who's never even been with the team. You bring yeah. somebody in who's like, listen, because now they're they're dealing with um, coordinator change. Yeah. So, and you know, maybe Gallman's already been through that, but it's not like somebody like Bilal Powell or or you know an Alfred Morris type who's been around in Dallas and Washington. He's seen different regimes and, and what it takes to be successful and have a career and whatever. You well, know what I mean? Well, this is what, this is Gallman's third head coach and would be, and his third coordinator in his four years. 
that right? Yeah. I mean, if he was before Gettleman, that means he was yeah. ben he was here for McAdoo, yeah. and then Shermer, and now this. So he's he's seen some things as well. I mean, it just seems like to me again for a little bit of cost control and uh, the incremental value of bringing someone else in to upgrade a, a spot like that. I, I think he's going to stay. And you're right. They might bring in someone and it might be one of those things where if somebody is hurt for two or three weeks that they bring in someone on a temporary basis to kind of spell for a little bit. But I think, you know, if all things kind of go to plan, I think these two will be back. I agree. But it's important to note that, you know, like you said, this is Wayne Goldman's last year of his contract. They might look to the future. So, I mean, it's pretty rare to only carry two running backs on a roster, even especially when you consider practice squad. So, this is kind of where the draft comes in. And I know a lot of Giants fans will probably roll their eyes about them drafting a running back. I'm not talking about, you know, getting the top guy or anybody remotely in the first three rounds. I'm talking about a mid-round draft pick where, you know, he might be the best guy, and you might even be talking about an undrafted free agent or, or sixth or seventh round. Or, That's kind of where um, yeah. I was about to say that you might find somebody who wasn't drafted. All of a sudden, you're, uh, you know, you're making the rounds and everything, and somebody's available because it seems like there's a lot of those guys out there. You know, the yep. they, the pendulum hasn't swung back yet to the value of the running back. No, so, and I, I'm not. I don't expect it to, honestly. Right. So. That's my point. So th- since it hasn't, you will find guys much more you know, likely who are not even drafted than wasting, quote-unquote, a draft pick on them. So. Right. Well, I mean, when I say I, – I stretch it all the way out to about the fifth round, and the reason why is because that's kind of where, like, wonky stuff starts happening. And, you know, you're not going to just be like, well, I have a whole well, – this, this is, this is the, the draft fallacy – you don't just say, I have a hole at safety. It's the fifth round. I've addressed addressed my other things. Let's take this safety. No, 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 no. You're picking yeah. players. If that player at safety isn't very good because there was a run on safeties rounds ago, you don't address a position like that. You don't address a roster like that by just filling you ju- a gap. You don't, ju- you don't just fill the – you don't click the box and say, okay, we got our safety. Exactly. It's like you're getting the – you're you have a big board. Your big board is kind of – it's position agnostic. Yeah. Well, just, to a certain extent, yeah. But when you start getting down around there too, I mean, even especially when you're lower. Yeah. So, because, you know, you're not getting as good a player, obviously, in the fifth round as you are in the second round. But then it's just really who's the best guy on your board. Exactly. And, and, and you're that's when – You might find a guy who's undrafted a better fit for your need at a position than reaching for someone in the fifth round. Exactly. But what I'm saying is, you know, we might be looking for a free safety. We didn't get it because there was a run on them earlier on. But that run means that some other position, guys fell for reasons that don't really make sense or shouldn't have happened. So that's why I extend it all the way up to the fifth round. I don't expect it to go that high, but it could given, you know, the sequence of events that happen with the draft. A really good player could just fall. And it's through no fault of their own. It's just... There's position runs, you know, things like that happen. There's trades. Shit goes fucking buck wild sometimes with the draft. Yeah. And, you know, we always hear about it, you know, by week 10. You're like, man, I can't believe this guy fell all the way to the fourth, fifth round. And it's, you know, it was just an now, oversight. I, People got it overzealous. I agree with you exactly what we're saying, and it all makes completely logical sense to me. However, 
I'd have to see it to believe it that we're drafting a quarterback in the fifth, a, a running back in the fifth round. Yeah, I, I mean, I would be, the, I would be with shocked. All the holes that are needed in this roster, and not starters necessarily, but depth in other positions. I would, I would be very shocked in the fifth round if a, a running back's name, even if it's a, a name that people know and are like, "Wow, I can't believe we got him in the fifth round." Is that really the value what this team really needs right now? And there's so many holes and so much depth to fill that I, I would personally be shocked. I would be shocked as well. Um, so I took a look at guys that might fall. You know, there's some names of guys that could fall for one reason or another. Um, like Darius Anderson from TCU, I think I think is a top end speed with natural pass catching ability, and that was another thing I looked at. Is I I tried to prioritize guys who could catch out of the backfield, not just for this team, but just in general. It seems like that's kind of where you have to be in the NFL now. There's very very rare exceptions of uh, you know some elite talent guys who just don't catch very well, but just blast through the hole. You know, the Marshawn Lynch's of the world. There's very, very few of those. So I just immediately eliminated that. But, you know, I, I like what I see with Darius Anderson. You know, slippery with really good vision, um, really advanced vision for finding holes. Um, and when he does, he makes a decisive and vicious cut and races through the hole. And to top, to top it all off, he has really good balance. He would be about as high up as I would ever expect us to that that is like he probably deserves to be a starter um i don't know you know you you watching a lot of sec football and i think in the same division as vanderbilt right yes if you had seen anything that you remember from Keyshawn vaughn Keyshawn vaughn's good i mean last year when florida played him in 2018 he was hurt he he, he was in the second quarter i mean he came out and shredded the, the Gator defense early then got hurt, changed the game after he was out. Um, plays against good competition, obviously, he's in the mm. SEC. So uh, I was actually going to ask you about another SEC running back, one who I know very well, uh, Michael Pirine, a guy who's uh, the cousin of uh, Samaje. Samaje Pirine. Um, came back for his senior year, had some, was kind of connected to a a credit card scandal a couple of years ago, but hung around, stayed an extra year, stayed for his senior year. Um, what were your thoughts on him? Well, it's interesting he's kind of, because he's, he's kind of a guy that kind of put it all together. He's not as big as he was. He lost weight his senior year and he didn't look as, didn't seem as strong as a running back as he was as a junior, but he just seemed to be maybe a little quicker, did a much better job pass blocking and did a much, much better job catching on the backfield, too, than he had. I, You know, I, I see what you're saying. I was more impressed with him after his junior year, and I didn't I didn't have a problem with him going back to school um, mm-hmm. for his senior year, but I was surprised at how how little he jumped out at me. You know, and, and I didn't watch him as closely as you did to, to notice any sort of weight decrease or anything like that. But I thought he was Florida's best running back, you know, in, in – Throughout his time there, you yeah, know, over I, Jordan I, Scarlett, etc. I think he was a better running back, runner of the ball last year. I think he did a lot of the intangible stuff better this year. Like I said, did a better job catching out of the backfield, better better job pass blocking. Um, had a completely different offensive line this year. Had a really good offensive line in, in 2018. Uh, 2019's was problematic 
I'll be, be very generous, uh, run blocking specifically. They just could not get a running game going. And it really wasn't because of P. Ryan. It was just they did a bad job run blocking. So that kind of hurt a little bit of what his tape was. Um, and again, I think he lost some weight. Now, part of that may be optics. He went from a two-digit number to a one-digit number. And people look different in uniforms like that. But he did lose some weight as well. So he wasn't the bull that he was as a junior. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a tough runner. And he's I think he's a really good receiver out of the backfield. Um, he seemed to... I mean, Florida in general as a running team last year seemed to struggle, but he did kind of have some big plays, if I remember right. He broke off a couple of big plays in yeah. some games, yes. Um, but those are like – those are exceptions more than the rule. And I don't think that was necessarily his fault. No, I don't think that he was doing anything. It just – it's so hard with, with college to see – you know, when when an offensive line is bad, it's really difficult to see what a running back can do. I would say he's better than Keyshawn Vaughn. I would say he's probably better than Darius Anderson too. Maybe. Um, that, that's I mean, that's seen, closer I, to me. All, I've seen him all over the board for where he could go from undrafted to fourth round. So I don't know where he's going. Yeah. Well, I mean, where these guys go is kind of scheme important, it, you know, just roster important. Yeah, there's too many variables for a running back to know where they're going to go. You know, in, in a different year he could go much higher, and some sure. other years he could go much lower, despite anything that he has done. So, right. you know, it, that's just sort of irrelevant. But you know, as he stacks up against the guys that I looked at, I think he's better. That he's like on par with Darius Anderson for me. Um, but the question becomes, is he, you know, where he's going to go would probably be out of our price range and out of our, you know. Yeah, he would have to be, he would have to fall. And I think there's right. a chance he could fall because his tape, quite frankly, just wasn't his junior year tape. Yeah. So. I, I, and again, I'm going to bring this back to front where I'm still very leery of them taking a running back with any draft pick of any value because of all the other needs too. Right. So. One other guy I really liked um, that that people really know is Eno Benjamin from Arizona State. You know, he's a fast change of direction runner. He's got good hands. He he kind of runs like a ping pong ball where he just sort of bounces around, but he never really loses his balance and he sheds tackles. The reason I bring him up is because the media really likes him. But everything that I've read is that the NFL is not as high on him, so he might actually tumble. Um, so that's the only reason I really bring him up. And and from what I've seen of his tape, I think he actually is a good. Backup. I'm not really sure that he has starter caliber in him. Um, mm-hmm. But the guy that I'm really, really targeting as a real potential Giants fit might not be drafted, might be more seventh-round pick, is Baylor running back Jamichael Hasty, mm-hmm. Senior, he's I, – I don't know what his 40 time is, but watching him, you'd swear he runs a four-flat. Mm-hmm. Crazy breakaway speed. He doesn't shy from contact. He's got good hands. He's a good route runner. And, you know, he really just – he just – when he hits the hole, he just goes. There's not a whole lot of anything. He just – he uses his speed and his balance to just blast through people. He's not, a, you know, a particularly big guy. But, you know, for for guys who like to do this kind of thing that I do where you just, you know, watch guys and see what they could be, check out Jamichael Hasty. Um 
you know, I, I'm not really sure that he'll get drafted. But he's only 5'8". He's only 200 pounds. Only 200 pounds. But 5'8", 200 pounds is, you know. A little bowling ball. Yeah. And he, I don't know what his 40 time is. Again, he may not be fast as he stacks up against, you know, these other running backs. But watching him on the field, it's like he hits some other gear that he doesn't hit, you know, just running track. Yeah, and let's kind of remember what what we'd be bringing him in for, what his purpose would be. So sure. maybe it's something that would fit. Right, and again, this would be to be that third guy, and next year you make the decision, Wayne Gallman won't be on the roster unless you want to offer him a new contract. Here's your cheap option. Here's a guy who's drafted in the sixth round. He's probably making squat and can and can do some stuff. So that's where I was kind of looking. So you know, that's my big thing. The other thing that's kind of interesting is Fullback. Um, you know the Giants utilize Eli Penny. Jason Garrett sort of has a a uh, penchant for using a fullback in his earlier years as offensive coordinator. So I don't really know if there's going to be one. If they're just going to load up on the tight end spot. Right now, Eli Penny is no longer under contract with the Giants. They do have somebody named George Aston from Pittsburgh. I don't know anything about. Was he on the practice squad or? What, I don't know. I, I guess maybe he was offered a futures contract. I don't know. No, that... he he was signed last year for a two-year, one million dollar contract total. Hmm. So he makes five hundred thousand dollars a year. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. That's as much as either of us combined know about him. Yep, that's about it. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean. You know, fullbacks tend to do some things out of the backfield so they can become, you know, there's usually a, a small handful of plays for the fullback to get the ball. You know, they, they tend to be special teams guys. It's not unheard of for teams to have a fullback and not utilize him very much. Um, I think it depends on what they want to do with the tight end position too. Absolutely, you know, yeah. That extra, that roster spot's kind of like a, can go either way based on what they want to do with it. So I think when we talk about tight ends in our next episode, maybe we can circle back to the fullback and discuss it again based on what we talk about. So, yeah. as far as pure as far as pure fullbacks go, there's not a whole lot out there. Um, I've never tried um, scouting that from college. I didn't really know where to begin because film is hard to. College game is so different. Yeah, where, no, they're, they're, that's like a lost art in college. The fullback, right? So I tried to look at the schools that really are good at running the ball and see what's out there. And where I kind of landed, started and ending was with Iowa, <laughs> with mm-hmm. uh, a guy named Brady Ross. I really liked the handful of plays that I was able to see him. He really just fucking ran. He eliminates one player every time, at least. <laughs> um, not saying anything. He might get drafted. I don't know. I do see fullbacks drafted in the seventh round. He might be offered, you know, uh, an undrafted free agent contract, which sometimes, or oftentimes, is a better contract than what seventh round picks get. I don't sometimes. know. Right. Um, but you know, again, if this is the sort of thing that you like to check out, he's a name. <laughs> Take a look, and you know something. In eleven years from now, we're going to a Ring of Honor ceremony with the Giants. We can say. We told you so. Yeah, for Brady Ross. <laughs> so that's pretty much the rundown for quarterbacks and running backs. Um, yeah, I mean, as we get into future episodes with future positions, we're going to be talking a lot more about 
you know, replacing starters, replacing depth that really will battle to be starters, to be on the field a lot more. I mean, this is kind of a, it's a little bit of a cut and dry one, this first episode talking about this, because we're really just looking for situational guys that may never even see the field. But as we start getting into receivers and the, and the offensive line and the secondary, we're going to be talking about positions that who started last year is on the roster last year will not be on the roster this year, potentially. So it's going to be a lot more interesting to talk about. Right. This is sort of a warm up. Um, yeah. Next week though, we're going to flip to the opposite side of the ball. And uh, what do you think? Defensive backs? We'll do safeties and corners. Yeah, let's do that. We'll work our way in. We'll work our way out with uh, the offense and work our way in with, with, with the defense. So, yeah. So next week, on whatever you use for your podcasting listening activities, whether it be <laughs> Spotify or iTunes or iHeartRadio or Podbean or Google Play, that's where you'll find us. We're the same place you found this episode is on there, and it'll just be in your, uh, you know, in your feed Tuesday morning if you subscribe for free. So yeah, especially you know everybody had a lot of people had off this week, so you're getting ready to go back to work on a uh, Tuesday morning and. You get our smiling voices to start, but uh, we, we'd really appreciate it if you uh, subscribed and you gave us a five-star rating and a nice review. Hopefully, you know, as we go through this off-season together and hoping for better days starting this September, uh, we'll be there with you to, uh, to break it all down and get excited for the future. Yep. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, at football underscore grump, where I will talk all things – off season for the Giants, um, and I think I'm going to start showing these guys that I highlight on here as being my target dudes. I'll show, I'll link to like a YouTube clip or something, so you can see a little bit of what I'm talking about. So oh, follow nice. me on Twitter for that. Follow me on Twitter as always at the Cranky Fan. I have a lot going on as usual. We're talking Giants off season. We are talking a uh, playoff run for my Tampa Bay Lightning. Like Florida Gator basketball is limping towards hopefully not the NIT. We got pitchers and catchers, so lots going on. So that's, as always, at the Cranky Fan. You can find me. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants. <laughs>